praying that the blizzard will come and that we'll just go into revival meetings tonight and this week. Don't you think that'd be a good thing? I think that'd be a good thing. Maybe the Lord will send a blizzard because I've, I've got some things that I have a burden on my heart to tell you. I've got two messages. In fact, I've got three messages I'd like to preach tonight, but I don't know if I can fit them all in in 30 minutes. So uh, you don't know the dilemma that goes on in a preacher's mind. Paul said, there's many things I want to tell you. Jesus said, there's things I want to tell you, but you're not ready. And a preacher goes through that. Sometimes the Lord burdens his heart, maybe. He's burdened because of one thing or another. But I'm going to go ahead and uh, follow the Lord's leading tonight. Let's bow in prayer and follow, follow our heart to the throne. How do you fix a meal? When you fix a meal and serve it, are people glad that they came and ate at your table? How do you fix a meal? Now, some of us aren't cooks at all. That's just establish that right now. I don't know if it's just the way we were raised or just the way we've chosen, but uh, especially us men, some men like to grill out, some men like to cook. And some of us are just flat no good at it, and we ought to just leave that to other people. That's just the way it is. I, I tried to grill. <laughs> I tried to grill out some deer steak a few years ago, and I said, oh, boys, I'm going to grill out. So I got, I got some deer steak. I mean, the best steak. I'm talking about the best part of the deer, the back strap. And I had those steak cut. They were about three diameter. Oh, I said, this is going to be good. I said, honey, prepare the fixing because I am going to grill the steak tonight. It's going to be wonderful. The deer steak, no less. We're going to have venison at our house. Well, for some reason or other, I couldn't get those charcoal lighted for the life of me. So I was pouring all kinds of lighter fluid on that charcoal. I mean, all kinds of it. I think that maybe it was kind of pooling up in the bottom of the grill, if you know what I mean. And so I finally got it lit and I put those steaks on and I mean, I got them grilled. But when the boys started eating, they said, well, it tastes kind of funny, Dad. I said, yeah, what is that taste? That, this is the best part of the deer. I mean, this is the tenderest and the best part. Ah. I said, I know what they taste like. Lighter fluid. <laughs> so it just wasn't a good meal. I, I can just tell you that. Last week, I was in New Mexico preaching, and I stayed in a hunting lodge right next to the church. The church is a log church. It's the second largest county in the country. Catron County. It has 3,000 people and 20,000 elk. So you kind of get an idea of, of what, what kind of place I was in. I was in the high desert of New Mexico, and I could stand on the front porch of the church and look on a clear day, 20 miles in every direction and see one house. That, that's kind of where I was. Some of the people that drove last week drove two hours every night one way to come to church. That kind of puts some perspective on our little whiny trip for 30 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever it is when we got the kids and they're not behaving in that route. And so uh, it was really something. It was just really something. But they put me in this hunting lodge next door, and they put in the refrigerator a carton of eggs. What am I supposed to do with those? They were just raw eggs. 
I, I don't know what to do with that. What, what am I supposed to do with a carton of eggs? I know some of you are laughing at me right now, and you think, now, come on, Brother Dwight, can't you fry an egg? Well, I can, but... I, it's just not my department. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, you know, I'd, I can make a pretty mean bowl of cold cereal when I'm under pressure, but that's about it, okay? That's just about it. So I'm asking you, what do you serve at your house? And what do you serve to the people that come and eat at your table? And, and when they eat, are they glad they did? Now, if they eat and they're glad they did... A lot of it depends upon you as the cook. Now, I'm not talking about eggs, and I'm not talking about grilled deer steak, and I'm not even talking about a mean bowl of cold cereal. But I want to talk to you tonight about your thoughts. How do you process your thoughts? And when you process your thoughts and develop it into a meal that others can eat and consume through your attitudes and your actions, are they glad they came and sat at your table? Are they glad that they came and spent some time with you? Are they glad they came into your kitchen? Now, I'm going to turn away from the message that I started with, and we're turning to Proverbs 23. Would you turn there quickly? Proverbs 23, and we're going to turn to a few passages tonight in the Word of God. A few passages in the Word of God. And I want to draw your attention to Proverbs chapter 23. Notice, please, verse number 7. Proverbs 23 and verse number 7. The Bible says, As a man thinketh in his heart... So is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. This is an extremely important verse. Notice what the Bible says. It divides it into three sections. First of all, it speaks of our thoughts. As he thinketh, there's your thoughts. In his heart, there's your emotions. So is he. There's your behavior. Now listen to me carefully. Your thoughts determine your emotions and ultimately determine your behavior. Can I use this illustration tonight? Your thoughts are the ingredients of life and circumstances, good or bad, pleasant or not so pleasant, right or wrong, that are handed to you. And what you do with those thoughts as the ingredients determines how it gets to the table and whether it tastes good or not to the general public. Your attitudes and your actions, my attitudes and my actions, will either be interesting, delightful, helpful, encouraging, a blessing, wise, or miserable, terrible, rejectable, awful, unpleasant. How are your attitudes and your actions as far as public consumption are concerned? That's very important. <clears throat> Young people, look right up at me. Your attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. 
And your actions are known and read of all men. In fact, the Bible says, even a child is known by his doings, whether it be good or whether it be right. A young person, your attitudes and your actions reveal your character. And can I say something? Character is usually set, at least the general portion of it, before the age of five. That's why, parents, it's so important that you not try to befriend your child before they're five. In fact, you shouldn't even think about befriending them until they're 19. Can I say that again? Parents, you shouldn't even think about befriending them until they're 19. They don't need a buddy. They don't need a pal. They need a parent. Amen. They need a leader. Yeah. They do not need to be at the engineer's seat of the train. They need to be in the passenger seat. And they need to follow the rules. And they need to be told what those rules are. And they need to be taught what those rules are. And they need to be shown what those rules are. But they should not have a parent that's trying to be their buddy and their pal. Your kids will turn out wrong if that's your approach. And so, and so your kids need someone that will guide them and direct them so that they can learn how to prepare a meal. Hey, ladies, hopefully. I have a friend in East Tennessee, and he said if he does marriage counseling, he just tells the couple, look, if, ma'am, if you can't prepare biscuits, I'm not going to marry you. <laughs> so that's good advice right there. Can, can I just say that? That's not something that is chauvinistic or awful. Can I get an amen from the men? That's good. I mean, let's, let's take that down the road a little ways, and let's, let's get an amen right here. You know what I'm saying? So, so here... Uh, Hopefully, ladies, you're teaching your young girls particularly, and guys, I guess that's not all bad. <clears throat> it obviously didn't happen with me, but how to prepare something in the kitchen, okay? But I'm not talking about food. I'm not talking about what's in the kitchen. I'm talking about in your thoughts. Because just like a mom will bring a daughter or a son into the kitchen and say, all right, this is how you fry an egg. It's really complicated, but let me tell you. <laughs> no, no, that's not how it happens. But this is how you fry an egg. You put a little butter in the pan and put an egg in there. And you, you, you put a little salt and pepper, maybe some cheese, maybe even some cream cheese if you want it. And, and then you take the, 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 the little spatula and you go underneath it and you do like that. It's real complicated. But, but maybe by the time you're 44, when Brother Dwight says, you can figure it out. But, but here, <clears throat> hopefully, hopefully... of thoughts and proper attitudes and proper behavior. Thoughts aren't a small thing in the Bible. They're a big thing. In fact, they're mentioned over and over and over. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 4, when he spoke to the Pharisees, he knowing their thoughts said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? Jesus said, As, <clears throat> as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. He quoted from Proverbs. Uh, do you know that in the, book of, in the book of Philippians, he said, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the idea of being careful has to do with anxious thoughts. In Philippians 4 and verse 8, he says, 
He says, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. He said in the book of Philippians chapter 3, forgetting those things which are behind. You know what this has to do? With our thoughts. Let me give the analogy this way. That the thoughts are all the ingredients in the kitchen, cupboards, and other places. Now, ladies, when it comes time to prepare a meal, do you just kind of open the cupboards and reach in and just pull it all out and let it fall onto the counter? And then just take whatever you can grab and just dump it in the pot? Is that how you prepare your potato soup? (laughs) Probably not. It's probably not. Uh, You don't usually take the black pepper and the onions and and the cucumbers and a little bit of sugar and the carrots and uh, and the baking soda and the flour and mix it all together. It's It's just ridiculous. But some people do that with their thoughts. They, they think about everything and anything, and they just throw it all together. And so when they come to public consumption, and when they come in front of their family, they're a mess. The table's not set. The plate's not out there. And when the plate is out there, they just dump it all on the plate and eat it. It's just what you get today. That's what you get in my attitude. You eat it. That's what you get in my actions. <gasps> That's not good. And sometimes people do that. Can I say this kindly and compassionately? Sometimes people do that because that's all that's been modeled before them. They didn't have a mom or dad that modeled how to prepare a a meal from the ingredients of our thoughts. And that's what their mom and dad did. Or maybe that's what they've done because they've made some wrong choices in their life and nobody's ever really confronted them and had the courage to say, wait a second, that's not the right attitude to have. Wait a second, those aren't the right actions to have. So some people just take all the ingredients from everywhere, just dump it all in. And there's some thoughts that you should think, and there's some thoughts that you should not think, and there's some thoughts that you should reframe a little bit before you put it in the pot. So I want you to think about this. Uh, This is very important. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Where does the fall come from? Just because he's tripped tripped over somebody's foot or tripped over a rock? No, the fall comes from this, wrong thinking. Wrong thinking will get you in a wrong place, which will lead to your fall. Every time I have fallen spiritually, it's because I haven't been thinking right. And so my wrong thoughts created wrong emotions, which created wrong behavior, wrong attitudes, wrong actions. Do you see? This is so important. Take your Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to see this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I just want you to get this truth. Now, we're going to learn tonight three responses to our thoughts that will help us take our thoughts from the kitchen cupboard of life, put them properly and appropriately in right measure in the pot or in the pan, cook them at the right temperatures, take them at the right time, put them on the plate that has been prepared and set at the table so that people can actually walk away from the the table of our life and experience us and say, wow, that was tasty. Wow, that person is refreshing to be around. Wow, that person sure has a good attitude. And, And you know, even in the midst of trouble they do. Wow, that person sure has some wisdom. Instead of, Oh yuck! 
I don't want anybody walking away from my meal saying, oh, yuck, that's why I'm not cooking deer anymore. <laughs> and I'm not making eggs. <laughs> and I'm sticking to a mean bowl of cold cereal. <laughs> Mom's away, boys. Guess what we get for eating all week? Cereal. <laughs> cereal in the morning, cereal noon, cereal at night. Oh, praise the Lord, we get cereal. And, and we'll just go and get the sugary, sugariest cereal we can find. And it's just going to be good. And we'll have a big time of it. But, but I'm not cooking that other stuff because I, I just don't know how. I, I, I didn't learn that in high school or college or growing up. Somewhere I didn't learn. So watch this. Watch this now. There are three things you can do with your thoughts. Look at what it says. It's so important. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations. We'll talk about this in a moment. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought that I have needs to be brought into the obedience of Christ. That means it should be put in the right proportion, in the right pattern, in the right uh, amount, in the right uh, appropriate uh, mixture with other thoughts so that it can make something good and tasty and yummy to eat for public consumption. So he says here, bringing every thought into the obedience of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to just give this to you, and this will help. First of all, there are some thoughts that come our way that we should design. Let me say that again. The first thing that we should do with our thoughts, if we're, watch this, young people, if we're going to make it from the kitchen cupboard to the pan to the plate so people can eat it and enjoy it, first of all, we need to design our thoughts. That means you do not let your thoughts control you. You control your thoughts. They are not your slave. They are not your master. They are your slave. That means you control them. Uh, if you took all the ingredients out of the cupboard, I wouldn't recommend it, young people, dumped it in a pan, threw it all together from the cupboard and the kitchen refrigerator and any place you could put it, and just threw it on a plate, I, I doubt that, that anybody would ever want to eat what you had again. And that should not be the case for a Christian. People should be around us with our attitudes and our actions, and they should say, what is different about them? They're not like the other guys. I saw the way that the boss cursed them out and they just took it and they went on and they, they changed whatever they needed to change, but they didn't get mad in return. What is so different about her? She just lost something very dear to her and someone very dear to her and she just goes on like a trooper and she seems to have a smile. Is she, what's, what, what's so different about her? What's tasty? What's attractive? What is drawing us to her? Listen, this is so vital. You know what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3? It says, I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Again, 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 6, he says that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. What's he saying? He was saying, your thoughts will control your boasting. If you think wrong thoughts from the kitchen cupboard, put it in the pan and throw it out on the plate, somebody's going to have to eat your pride, and that's not tasty. Nobody likes to be around somebody that's boasting and proud all the time. Listen, over and over the Bible emphasizes this manner of our thoughts. It's, it's not something that's just casually mentioned. It's throughout the Bible. By the way, your thoughts of courage and confidence in God will help you be bold for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Your thoughts of worry and fear. Look, I just got off the phone, and the Lord gave this message to me this afternoon. I just got off the phone with a lady, a friend of our families. I love her dearly, but she worries all the time. Now, I'm not trying to be unkind. I, I really am not. And I told her this. I'm just using her for sake of illustration. I, I, I told her, I said, I'm not fussing at you. Her son is in jail, their only child. And he's in jail and out of jail and in jail and out of jail. And he's making a lot of wrong choices because he's got a wrong emotion, which comes from wrong thinking. But she's a mom. No mom that I know is happy about a son that would be in jail. She's worried about it. She just got off the phone with him. And she calls and she's always down on herself. I'm, I'm just so bad and I'm just so filled with unbelief. And there's all this problem. And she struggles back and forth with doubting her salvation. And God gave me this message to give to her, and now I'm giving it straight to you. The first thing that you need to do with your thoughts is design them. Ladies, it takes proper thought. It takes a recipe to take the ingredients, not all of them at the same time, but each of them appropriately, put them in the pan, mix them together, mix them together at the right measure. If you're going to be feeding more people, then you need to... Uh, add the recipe or, or cut the recipe, whatever it is that you do with that. And, and you mix them together and then you put it in the oven or on the stove and you get it together just right. What? Let me say this. It takes design. Someone says you need to reframe your thoughts. That's true. You need to reframe your thoughts. You say, preacher, all right, what do you mean? All right, let's just say this. Philippians chapter 3, the Bible says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Can I say before I go further in this ingredients and recipe, the goal is peace of mind. Nobody that I know is trying to have a mind that is troubled. But how many people do you know have a troubled mind, a troubled heart? How many people in here at times struggle with a troubled mind and a troubled heart? I love this dear lady. I'm not setting her up, and I'm not shaming her tonight. I'm just using it as a simple illustration. It bothers me, and it has bothered me for years. You don't know what a preacher goes through. Most people in the pew have very little idea what a preacher goes through when they see someone that could change, that needs to change, and they don't change, and you give them the instructions on what they do, and they keep hitting their head against the wall. That bothers a preacher. We say, how do we fix this? We don't like to see people in trouble. We don't like to see people troubled. We don't like to see people that are going down a wrong road with their careening over the cliff. We don't like to see that. But when you tell someone, you give them the word of God, and they listen to the preacher, and they say, what is he? he's not even a doctor. He doesn't even have an accredited degree. I mean, what does a preacher know? And they just kind of laugh the preacher off and go on there. Someone, point them in the right direction, whether they be young or old, and they listen to their, your advice. How many of you ever been there? Mm, ever been there? And how frustrating is that? But watch, you can't change people's mind. You can't even change people. So you should stop trying. You need to give them the truth. And when the truth is given to you, take it in good stride, no matter how it's delivered, and respond rightly to it. So I was, afternoon, as I was sharing my heart with them, this lady. 
I don't want to see her constantly in turmoil, constantly in trouble, constantly frustrated, constantly down on herself, wondering is she saved, not saved, worried about her son, just sick all the time. And you know, I said to her, here's what you need to do. Number one, you need to design your thoughts. For instance, you should not think about the past unless you are learning lessons or rejoicing in the good things. Let me repeat that again. You should not think about the past unless you're gleaning lessons or rejoicing in the blessings. Glean the lessons, rejoice in the blessings, and move on. Don't think about the past. Do you know why? You can't control it. And you can't change it. If you dwell in the past all of your life, you're going to be bogged down. And not only are you going to be bogged down, but while you're looking in behind you or even looking in the rearview mirror, you're going to knock into somebody else. You're going to miss a curve. You're going to go over the edge. You're going to hit a guardrail. You can't always be looking in the past. In fact, you shouldn't look in the past except to glean the blessings, glean the lessons, and rejoice in the blessings. That's the only reason you should look back. And when you do, you should be stopped. Okay? So this is what I mean when I say die, design. Design your thoughts. Pull out the salt, but maybe no pepper. Pull out the baking powder, but maybe no flour. Pull out the sugar, but maybe no pepper. Do you see what I'm saying? And you mix in the ingredients that you think are appropriate. Sometimes you go straight from the recipe. And of course, if it's the Word of God, you always follow the Word of God. Don't divert from it. And if the Holy Spirit is leading you to add a little extra in your thoughts, then you always follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's subjective. This is objective. The Holy Spirit's leading sometimes is subjective. But his subjective leading will never lead you contrary to the objective revelation. Never. Not ever. You say, well, preacher, I felt led of the Lord to drop out of church. Oh, oh no, you didn't. <laughs> Preacher, I felt led of the Lord to stay home tonight and watch the Super Bowl. Oh, no, you didn't. I felt led of the Lord to go into the bar and have a tequila. Oh, no, it wasn't the Lord. Now, look, I'm not the sharpest crayon in the box, but I can tell you that much. You see, that's not right thinking. That's wrong thinking. That's not according to the Word of God. And that's why our thinking should be immersed in this book over and over and over again. We'll get to that in a moment. But one, the first thing I want you to see, if you're going to have a peaceful mind, your own self, and you're going to eat, look here, would you serve to your family what you yourself would not eat? No! And so if you can't eat the result of your thoughts and your actions and your attitude are just something you yourself can't live with, don't serve it to everybody else. Don't, if, if you don't like to be around a grump, don't be a grump. If you don't like to be pure misery when you walk in the room, if you don't like that, then don't, don't give that to everybody else. Some people, when they walk in the room, everybody smiles. Other people, when they walk out of the room, everybody smiles. <laughs> It's just relief. <laughs> Some people, you see them coming, and you just have learned, don't ask them how you're doing. <laughs> Whatever you do, do not ask. You can say, it sure is a nice day, isn't it? Well, I'm so glad to see you. You can be as positive as you can be. But whatever you do, don't ask them how you're doing, because it's going to be five hours of how awful it is. Okay? Don't be like, if, if you don't like that, don't serve. If you wouldn't eat the result of bad cooking, don't serve the result of bad cooking. 
So, so we need to design our thoughts, design them carefully, always according to the Bible, always according to the precious leading of the Holy Spirit. How's the Holy Spirit going to lead you? Well, he's going to lead you like this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All at once. Those aren't eight or seven different fruits or nine different fruits. Those are all at once. All part of the same fruit. Are, are, when you, people are around you, are you filled with joy? Well, you see, preacher, sometimes, unless I've been watching Fox News. Well, then stop watching Fox News. Now, look, I know you want to keep up with the times and you want to, you know, know what's going on. And I can respect all that. But I'm like you. Sometimes I watch the news and I just get... Well, now, how's that going to work if all I do all day long is look at the news? And all day long, boiling mad. And my kids come up and they say, how you doing? <laughs> well, Dad, you know, it's such a beautiful day. Yeah, yeah, well, oh, yeah, but you know what's happening in the Middle East? <laughs> this is not good. It's not healthy thinking. It doesn't make for good eating. Our children see it. And you know what? Listen, can I say this? What we think is not that big of a deal is always magnified to a child, good or bad. Positive words of reinforcement, they go a long, long way with a child because they're Remember when you were I was a kid not so long ago, and I remember going back to where I grew up. Where I grew up, there was this big field in back. And at the corner of that field right over there, there was this big, huge weeping willow. And I remember my backyard, it had big, huge pine trees. I went back not so long ago. I said, everything's going to be so much smaller. <laughs> How many of you have had that experience? Yeah. What? what? That field was massive when I was a kid. And now it's this tiny little lot. <laughs> and that weeping willow, it was huge. This really... Is this where I lived? <laughs> it is. You know why? Because when you're a kid, everything is magnified. I don't want to serve anger and frustration and misery and hate and unkindness to my kids. If I wouldn't eat it, I shouldn't serve it to them. So, so let me just say, as far as the past is concerned and as far as other thoughts come, some thoughts come your way, you need to quickly say, I need this ingredient today, but not that one. Maybe some other time. Uh, maybe I need to have a little anger about what's going on in the world, but, but maybe not here right now. There'll be an appropriate time for that, but not here right now. You see? You've got to take charge of what's going on in the kitchen <laughs> or, or everybody's going to starve. <laughs> Either that or they're going to leave your kitchen and not want anything to do with your kitchen or your food or your attitude or your actions or worse yet, your God. All right, watch. The second thing we need to do with our thoughts, with some thoughts, is we should defy them. Sometimes we need to design our thoughts. Sometimes we should defy them. Are there certain ingredients, ma'am, that you just absolutely will not use in any cooking? Yes, I, I hope so. For instance, ladies, I hope that you would not go to the trash to choose ingredients for your meal. This world is trashy. Mm -hmm. Everything about it. And just in case you don't know, I hate this old world. 
I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about the system and the philosophy. And every time, just in case you're wondering, every time the world speaks, it's wrong. It's wrong on marriage. It's wrong on parenting. It's wrong on finances. It's wrong every single time. It's wrong on how churches ought to be run. It's wrong on how Christians should live. It's wrong on, on how you ought to respond to your parents. Hey, kids, listen to me. It's wrong on how you ought to find a mate. It's wrong on what you should do as you're engaged. It's wrong on what the subject of marriage is. It's just plain wrong. It's wrong on whether or not you should speak out about the Lord. It's wrong on matters of integrity. It's wrong on matters of faith and practice. This whole world is trashy. You shouldn't be going to the world for your ingredients. Can I say this? Sometimes thoughts should be defied. Because not only are they trashy, what do you do? If the trash is full and it stinks, you take the trash out. Ladies, what do you do? You say, honey! You get your kids, take this trash out of here. It stinks. In my house, some time ago, we live downstairs in the basement. We have a walkout basement. We live downstairs in the basement. When we're home, we're not home very much. I've been 10% of my life over the last 10 years I've been at my house. 30% of my life, my wife's life and kids' life, they've been home. All the rest of the time, we stay on the road. And, uh, and so, so we came home, and we ran out the upstairs to some college kids. Well, there were some it's girls that go to a Bible college, Ambassador Baptist College down in North Carolina. And... And, and anyway, I came home, and I started, I said, honey, do you smell that? She said, yeah, it's bad. I said, what is that? She said, I don't know, but it stinks. I said, it's not going to stink forever. I'm not having this. There are some things that I can handle, and stink is not one. I said, we're going to get to the bottom of this. So I got the trash, and it's not that. I took the trash out, but it wasn't the trash. Put a new trash bag in. I said, something rotten in the fridge. I opened the fridge. It wasn't in the fridge. I looked under the fridge. I looked in the cupboards. You know, thought maybe there was some musty, moldy something growing, maybe a rat. I, we have ceiling tiles, not quite like this, but somewhat. And, and I looked up above them, maybe a rat, maybe a mouse died up there what what is it that stinks I mean it was bad we couldn't find anything so I said let's go upstairs and see if something's upstairs so we went upstairs and knocked hey we're coming upstairs and and there was a girl that her, she grew up on the mission field anyway she was one of the tenants and we she wasn't up there, but one of her friends was and and we said what is that smell oh they said we know what that is I said, you know what that is? They said, yeah. I said, what is it? She says, right there in the trash. I said, what is it? She said, it's some kind of vegetable that, or fruit that they eat over in Africa, and she brings over here and cooks it and eats it. I said, eats that? I mean, we got to the trash. Oh, oh, get this thing out of here. This is awful. We covered it up and got it out of the house. I said, to eat that? Yeah, she said, when she cooks it, it just stinks up the whole house. I said, Never again. I said, it's not allowed in this house. I said, that's awful. It smelled like a dead rat. I'm serious. It was just awful. I can't even imagine preparing it and eating it, but they were doing that. Now, look here. Uh, I guess that over in that part of the world, they have different tastes. <laughs> but that dead rat is not, as far as I'm concerned, something very palatable to my, my, to my taste buds. You understand? Let me say this. Sometimes the devil will throw a thought at you. Listen carefully to me. That's a dead rat thought. It might be a live rat thought. It might be a snake under the door. 
How many of you, be honest with me, be transparent. There's no growth if there's no transparency. How many of you have ever had a random thought to just do something mean to some random person? Or you've had some evil, lustful thought that's just kind of popped in your head. How many of you have ever, you know what I'm talking about? Well, we've got two honest people. The rest of you are lying. Anyway, uh, look, it just comes and you say, whoa, where did that come from? You didn't sit, you didn't, when you were sipping coffee that morning, you didn't sit down and say, boy, you're like at 2 o'clock this afternoon. I'd like to have just an awful, er, awful, awful thought. It, didn't pre, it wasn't premeditated. It just came at you. That is straight from hell. That is straight from the devil. And listen to me carefully. You don't start confessing that. You confess what you're guilty of. You don't confess what you're not guilty of. It's wrong to not admit when you're wrong. But it's also wrong to admit you're wrong when you're right. You don't need to confess that. What you need to do is defy it. No, no, I'm not even going to allow it. You just delete that thought. You say, Jesus, can you answer the door? Yes. Jesus, can you take out the trash? Jesus, I'm confessing this to you. Will you clean up my life? Now, you'll never get to good attitudes and good actions, something that will be available for public consumption, if you are having bad thoughts, if you tolerate those bad thoughts. If you say, hmm, what should I serve for the children tonight? Eggs and rat. No, it's not going to work. Eggs and gardener snake. One just slithered under the door. Thank you, Lord, for providing our daily meal. No, 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 no. You need to have more sense than that and say, out, kill it. Son, come take care of it. Father, come take care of it. Jesus, come take care of it. But I'm not serving it for supper. You see what I mean? It's not going to help you. Look, Look here. If you're the only one eating that night, it's not going to help you to eat egg and dead rat. You see? So some thoughts just need to be immediately dismissed. They need to be defied. I'm talk- can I say something else? This isn't, not, this isn't necessarily from the devil. This isn't even from the world. But you should never think about what you can't control. There you go. Hey. There's no point in it. There's nothing that will come good of it. You shouldn't worry about what you can't control. You should not worry about what other people think of you. Be anxious for nothing. You really shouldn't worry about anything. But you shouldn't even think about what you can't control. Some people get all caught up in trying to micromanage everybody else's thoughts. That doesn't work too well. And so when it comes time to eat, they're this bundle of nerves and energy over and dumping stuff on the table and people say, I got to eat this tonight. And you know, ladies and men, as well as I do, that when it comes to a meal, meal is not just about what is served on the plate. It's about atmosphere. Nobody wants to eat a meal when it's just, that just, that you don't want to be uneasy. So, so you say, I'm, I'm not hungry. I, I think I'll eat later. What's wrong with this person? They're just uneasy all the time. A Christian shouldn't be like that. We should be at peace. Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He said, in me ye shall have peace. And peaceful living comes from peaceful thinking. 
Peaceful attitudes come from peaceful thinking. So you should defy the, the, the past. You should defy the, uh, the devil. You should defy the trashiness of this world. And you should defy what you cannot control. There's no point in thinking it. Why think about it? Why worry about it? Why be bothered by it? Don't worry about what other people think of you. Don't even think about it. It's not even worth one second of your time. You'll not have peace if you worry about it. Now, some thoughts need to be digested. We design some thoughts. We defy other thoughts so that we'll keep out from the meal what shouldn't be there. And we should digest other thoughts. What what do you do, ladies, when you're fixing a meal? A little bit more of this. Mm. Maybe a little bit more of this. Ooh, that's just about right. And sometimes you'll call your husband over. Honey, come taste this, would you? And sometimes if you're making cookies, you don't have to call anybody over. <laughs> they're, I mean, they're just taking it all the way. You're lucky you get any cookies out of that whole thing. Why? Because it's good. Now, don't you want your attitudes and your actions to draw people to your Savior? I do, but they will not if your thoughts are not right. Your thoughts have to be right. So what should we digest? The Bible. Be right unless you spend time in this book. Let me challenge you. We're at the end of the first month of 2018, and maybe some of you haven't gotten the Bible reading habit. If you didn't do so well in January, let's try February. And just get in it. You know what to make this trip? People in it start thinking right. Let me just be real practical. Can I be real practical? You can have the best weapon in the world, and this is the best weapon in the world, and still lose. If this book stays like this in your house all week, you'll lose. If this book stays like this, and you read it, and you don't believe it or don't obey it, you'll lose. Best weapon in the world. You can have the F-16 Tomahawk. You can have cruise missiles. You can have the best weapons in the world. But if you're fighting a battle in Alaska and the battle's at the southern tip of Brazil or, or South Africa, you'll lose. You see, you've got to have right thinking that responds rightly to the greatest thinking of the world. The Bible, God's thinking, Amen. God's word. And I've got to let this book change my thinking. Hey, your character is usually set by the time you're five, but your character can be changed and transformed. Can I say something to you? Your character doesn't automatically change when you get saved. Your destiny does. Some do. But if you let God change you, you'll change. If you don't let God change you, you won't change. How many of you have known Christians that have been drunks? How many of you have known Christians that have been sorry husbands? If you've known Christians that have been terrible wives, how many of you have known Christians that have been raised up in a Christian home, gone to a Christian school, memorized verses every single month of their life, and gone straight to the devil? Now, some of it may be that they're not saved, but some of it may be that they were saved and they just refused to let God's word change their character. Now, hear me, I'm not undermining this book. I'm not undermining it at all, but I'm simply saying this, that if you take this book and you don't respond rightly and you don't use it properly, you'll lose. You've got to use it with obedience and belief and right thinking. 
You see? Right thinking believes the Bible. Right thinking says, you know what? I've just been around for 10 years or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50. You know what? I've only been around for about 90 years, and God's been around for all eternity, and he wrote a book that's about 4,000 years old as far as the actual writing is concerned. It tells us of a time that's about 6,000 years old. And you know, this is maybe new to me, but it's not new to God. I think I'm going to do things according to his thoughts. And when you do things according to his thoughts and you let his word digest into your soul, you'll say, ooh, that's the right ingredient. This will be good tonight. Hey, how many of you have known someone that went through sheer misery and they responded wrongly to it and they're bitter and cantankerous and hateful and a sheer misery to be around? How many of you know someone like that? I do. How many of you have met someone that has gone through deep, deep troubled waters and you'd think that most people in their circumstances would just give up and walk away, and they come through glowing. And you spend time with them, and you try to be a blessing to them, and you walk away, and they've been a blessing to you. How many of you have met someone like that? Don't you want to be that? You know what happened to them? They had, they had wrong circumstances. Maybe their kitchen burned down. Maybe, maybe their stove burned up. But somehow still, because they had right thinking, because they were immersed in the word of God and the works of God and the wonder of God, they took the ingredients that God gave them and they made it to the pot and they put it in. And when they got it to the plate, we just stood in amazement. You know why? Their right thinking affected their right attitude, which affected right behavior. And that is what God wants for every person in this room. I had the privilege of leading songs this year, this past year, for a preacher that I really had never met before. I'd heard a bit about. I'd told some of his story because I'd read about it. But he, he has experienced real revival. I mean real, genuine revival. I'm talking in the last 40 years. And he traveled as an evangelist and still does. But he used to travel with a team of like 15, 20 people. They'd go into churches. And they'd, have, they'd have a two-week meeting sometimes. They were in a meeting, and some of the college girls that were with him, as well as the rest of the team, came to him one night and said, Brother St. Clair, you need to talk to this 14-year-old girl. He said, Why? They said, she's got some kind of insight way beyond her years. He said, 14? They said, yeah, you need to talk to her. So one night after the meeting, he sat down and he talked with her. And he said, um, he said what's your name? She told him. He said, well, I'm glad to meet you. He said, I've heard some about you, and I'm glad you've been coming to these meetings. He said, um, can I ask, ask you how you got saved? Oh, she said, yes, Brother St. Clair. She said, I... She said, I, um, I got saved when I was 12 at this church. And she said, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I, I got saved when I was 12. And she said, about six months or a year, maybe a year and a half, I don't remember exactly the time. After I got saved, she said, I was standing outside the doors of the church one night or one morning, and I was waiting for my ride and all of a sudden, a car pulled up with a man inside. He grabbed me, threw me in the car, and sped off and did unimaginable things to her, raped her, brought her back to the church property, dropped her off. 
She said, when I finally did connect with my ride and I did get home, I was totally devastated. She said, when I went to my dad, weeping, I told him. And he said, my, she said, my dad looked at me and said, well, you just need to get over it. She said, I thought maybe I could find some solace and comfort in my mom. But when I told my mom, she had the exact same response. She said, now as a young teenage girl, she said, I'm dealing with a broken mess. And I didn't know what to do. She said, I would cry myself to sleep at night. But she said, one night I was laying on my pillow. And as I was crying myself to sleep, she said, I began to think about what had transpired in the last year and a half how I'd been saved, and how at this church I began to learn some things about God. By the way, this man that did this was not connected to the church. She said, I began to think about how they taught me that God was good and that God was in control no matter what. And she said, I did something right there, Brother St. Clair, that changed everything. He said, what? She said, right there on my pillow, I began to thank God that he was good. And thank God that he was still in control, even though it didn't seem like it. And she said, I even began to thank God for this situation. She said, the chains broke. She said, the darkness lifted. And that's my testimony. Now, was it right what happened to her? No. Was it right what this man did to her? No. But you know what this young girl learned to do early on? To take the ingredients of life that she had, to translate them rightly, to think rightly, to affect her emotion and then her action. And that 14-year-old girl became a blessing through her attitudes and actions because of right thinking. Lord, I preach the burden of my heart tonight.